You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I mean, I think we were all surprised last night. I mean, uh, there was, like I said, a great deal of frustration about the uh, performance individually and collectively as a squad. Uh, losing the game, we should have won. Um, and yeah, surprised about the timing, but uh, again, those are decisions that uh, that Mark is making, and, and with, with Brian's help, and, and we're just going to keep on moving forward. That there was Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers after a loss to the Arizona Cardinals that ended up costing Mike McCarthy his job. This here is Purple Daily on a Thursday. I'm Rami Makhlouf along with Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And it's been What If Week on Purple Daily this week, which is also streaming live on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, all at SKOR North. And all the what ifs to this point, guys, have been Vikings related because this is a Vikings-focused show, but off of the article that Tyler Dunn today had at the Bleacher Report, which was amazing and so well done, we had to ask the question, what if the Packers fired Mike McCarthy five years ago when it sounds like the the relationship between Rodgers and McCarthy really came to a head on the sidelines in a game in Cincinnati? But this article... I mean, first of all, super long, and usually articles like this, I finish reading them, and I go, that could have been much shorter. That could have been much shorter. (laughs) The editor wasn't doing his job. This article, every paragraph, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, It's a good thing they kept that in there because it is just juicy bit after juicy bit after juicy bit that paints a picture of a relationship that was poisoned from the beginning because Mike McCarthy passed over Aaron Rodgers when he was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, and Rodgers slipped in the draft and was embarrassed sitting in the green room in New York for hours on end and just never really got better and ended with a head coach who kind of seemed checked out and was getting massages when they were having the team meetings night before games. Don't we all do that? And the quarterback completely not respecting his coach, his game plan, and his authority on on a Sunday afternoon on the field. It is insane, and a lot of people, Judd, think that if not for this rift, or if had, had they pulled the trigger on Mike McCarthy earlier, this is a team that could have multiple Super Bowls and maybe even a dynasty. Okay, but to get them there, I, I think we need to add a curveball to the equation of the what-if, and it needs to go beyond the head coach. Rami, as you know well, things disintegrated with that franchise in part because of McCarthy, but Mm -hmm. in large part because the GM who arrived in about 2005 with a definite fastball lost that. So I think what we need to do is restructure the entire thing, and the question needs to become if from the very top the Packers had blown things up. So you've got to fire Thompson, too. Because if the question is, is if McCarthy is fired or Aaron goes to Ted and says, make a change... I don't think Ted at that point had the capability to make the right change. 
So I think the what-if question needs to come back to, what if the Packers had looked at their entire structure, realized that their GM had lost his fastball completely, and blew up the entire franchise from an executive standpoint, so you've got a new GM and a coach? Because then I think we're talking about a much different question. And, Collar, I think we are then addressing a situation where, if not a dynasty, the Packers could have put together something that would have been that would still be going strong right now. Well, that, and that's where, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's where it comes across in the article where you just can't help thinking if they had made that change. 2013, they go eight, seven, and one and losing the wild card game. So there was an opportunity there because the first thing that comes to mind is, wait a minute, how would you fire a head coach who kept making the playoffs year after year after year, even if his relationship with Aaron Rodgers wasn't perfect? I mean, there are lots of examples around the NFL of relationships that aren't that great between star players and coaches. I mean, I guess we could talk about any sport with that. Um, with basketball, LeBron James has had how many coaches Fired now, right? right? I mean, so star players don't always get along with head coaches, but they kind of had that opportunity to see the writing on the wall in that 2013 season, and that's where you wonder, yes, Judd, if they had blown everybody out at that point and brought in a new head coach that was going to adapt to where the NFL was going and also who could possibly get along with Aaron Rodgers better and have the respect of Aaron Rodgers, that maybe we would be talking about Super Bowls for the Green Bay Packers because the following years after they won the Super Bowl, like it's it's really shocking that they didn't win it again. I mean, they went fifteen and one mm-hmm. the following year, so they were even better. And here's what's crazy: they scored five hundred and sixty points that year in in two thousand eleven. When they won the Super Bowl, they only scored three hundred eighty eight during that season, so they were way better of a team. Uh, the following year. So at that point, you wouldn't have said, okay, get rid of the head coach. But it was very clear on paper where this thing was going, even if you knew nothing about the dysfunction, that they were not going to be as strong for much longer. And if they had seen the writing on the wall there, I, I think it's hard to say that they wouldn't have at least one other one because Rodgers was so great through those following years, and only recently over the last couple of years has he not been as good. But the crazy thing is, what you what you just said? How many points did they have in that twenty fourteen fifteen season? You said um, it was uh, well two thousand eleven. Right after they won, oh, okay. The, the year after they won the Super Bowl, they had five hundred and six. Okay. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's offense still worked. He still had his fastball. Like everybody talks about, and in this article, they talk about the fact that the offense got stale and it wasn't innovative, and and all the other catchphrases that you use when when you question a coach's offensive game plan. But at the end of the day, which I think is is why it's a great point Judd brings up about Ted Thompson, Mike McCarthy's offense stopped working and Aaron Rodgers stopped looking so invincible when Ted Thompson's draft picks stopped hitting. And you t- know what I mean? And that's not surprising because at the end of the day, talent trumps all. You know what I mean? I don't think Mike McCarthy got any dumber as he as he aged in his coaching career. I just think that... Mike McCarthy stopped hitting on draft picks, and there was less talent for Mike McCarthy to coach and for Aaron Rodgers to utilize. And don't forget, too, and Ted, and this worked for a while, but Ted had a very uh, specified draft strategy where Ted would, and it became a joke, but it was true, he would bail backwards. He would constantly try and bail back. And so he he would trade his first-round pick for a late first-round pick or three second-round picks or something. And for a while, that worked. But when Ted lost it, Ted really lost it. And and another story of the Packers' inability to win 
multiple titles and ultimately their demise was the fact that they were convinced of a philosophy that had worked that stopped working and more importantly they ignored that defense for how long that defense went from being you know pretty doggone good not Mm -hmm. bad to being ignored and so so that that's the interesting thing all around Aaron your draft picks suddenly don't work as well. Your defense is largely ignored. Dom Capers, who was a good DC at one time, again another guy lost the fastball badly and just kept his job. Mm-hmm. That that's if you if you were a Packer fan, that had to be incredibly frustrating to watch because you saw all of these once competent coaches and personnel people slowly but surely regress, and nothing was ever done. Now, from a schematic standpoint, though, on the offensive side. Pretty much anybody who studies this stuff has said that the Packers haven't changed anything in a really long time. And right. the former players say that as well. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you watch game film all the time and you're watching these other teams do innovative stuff, you've got to be jealous and frustrated. And when you look at his stat page, it's really interesting because there is kind of a sea change in even his numbers. Even when they continue to win and he had decent quarterback ratings, but his yards per attempt in his prime are elite, like unbelievable numbers, nine yards per attempt, which is just totally unheard of. And then it just sinks to under seven in 2015. They were still able to win games in those following two years, but it just wasn't the same type of explosiveness in their passing game as they had before. And my guess is that everyone was catching up. And even if Rogers' skills were diminishing a little, they shouldn't have been diminishing a lot by age 31 and 32. So I think you could probably point a lot to what people have said when they've studied their offense is it's very simplistic by today's standards. And you wonder if they went to some more stuff that is kind of like the trickery and the easy yards for teams, but everyone uses it. And that's what the Vikings are talking about a lot now with like, can we get them, you know, can we get Kirk Cousins easy yards by rolling out and having somebody wide open? Well, I think 2015 is kind of where we see the Aaron Rodgers standing around and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to go off script in the pocket mm-hmm. as opposed to just executing the offense. And from that standpoint, that's where I wonder those two 10 and 6 seasons, 2015 and 16, if there wasn't this dysfunction behind the scenes and if they had updated their offense like some of them, the other teams did, even without the same level of weapons as maybe they had before, I think that Rodgers' play would have stayed at the very, very top instead of kind of drifting off in its efficiency. But I think it's it's simplistic to to point a finger at Mike McCarthy. And when, when things go down the way things went down in Green Bay and the way that it's described in this article, our tendency, and as fans and, and what we do as a, li- as a, as a living here on, on Score North, is to try and find who is to blame and point a finger at just one person. But this article does not do that. If you read this article and and pay attention to all the different angles that Tyler Dunn hits on, you see really clearly that, yeah, there was plenty going on with Mike McCarthy that he could have done better. He could have been more creative, more innovative as as the years went on and, and the offense got a little stale. Also, he could have been a different type of leader because at the end it sounds like he wanted to take more of a 
general manager CEO role who happened to wear a headset on the sidelines <laughs> on Sundays and just sort of let his assistants run things while he was literally getting massages up in his room or his office the night before games while his assistants were running meetings. So there's definitely blame to be placed on Mike McCarthy's shoulders. But the other thing that becomes crystal clear in this article is that and we've talked about this a little bit. Ted Thompson lost his fastball in the draft, and they were a strictly draft and develop system. I think he signed two free agents his entire time that he was the general manager of the Packers. Well, no, three, because he got um, Martellus Bennett in, in his last year. Other than that, it was Johnny Jolly and Charles Woodson, and that was it. So when, when you're strictly draft and develop and you, you lose your fastball in the draft room, that's going to be a big problem. And then Aaron Rodgers, the third part of it, you see a QB who's kind of petulant and sensitive and stubborn and proud to Who does a, that sound like? proud to a fault. Who does that sound like? And that affects relationships and that affects what's actually happening on the field. It affects his relationships with him and his coaches, him and his teammates, him and his family, him and his friends off the field. And it's and it has an impact on on the, the success or failure of the Green Bay Packers. It's Favre, though. It's the same story, right? Yep. This this is why, and this is true in sports, and, and there might have been a time in the 60s or 70s where it was not, but in in this era of sports, it's absolutely true. All relationships at some point in time need to end in a divorce. That which Brady and Belichick, it's astounding. Like this is not a nice little story. It is truly astounding that and and they don't even get along, but the fact that they tolerate each other and know what's good for their system because just like with Brett and Holmgren, just like with Brett and Sherman and just like Aaron and Mike, all of these things have to end because eventually if they don't end, everyone ends up miserable. They can't stand each other. And unless it's Brady and Belichick, they end up defiant to each other so much that it blows up. And That's uh, this. to your point, I mean, the, that relationship even between Brady and Belichick hasn't been perfect, but I think that the guy who's sort of the intermediary there is Josh McDaniels uh, because he ends up having control of the offense. But there was the whole Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. type Absolutely. of thing where it looks like Tom Brady forced them to trade Jimmy Garoppolo away because he was just going to keep playing until he falls over and dies. And I mean... Good for him because he could still play, right? I don't think anybody would have ever put the odds on him playing this well at this age. But there was the trainer thing about him not being allowed in the building anymore because he was uh, going against what their team doctors were saying and stuff like that. So even that relationship isn't perfect. The Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, if you're there long enough, then remember when Mike Tomlin was like, who would you take over him as a head coach aside from Belichick? And now the Pittsburgh Steelers look like kind of a mess <laughs> as opposed to uh, being the pillar of excellence for the NFL. So it does happen, uh, I, I think, even to the best teams and best franchises. But there is a lot here in terms of these egos budding, and it is not one-sided on Mike McCarthy. I mean, from my interest of loving X's and O's and offensive innovations, like I don't even want to watch Green Bay games with Mike McCarthy. It's just like it's just the same sort of stuff. At one time, maybe the route adjustments at the line of scrimmage were like a thing that 
other people weren't doing, but then everybody caught up to that mm-hmm. and passed them by a bunch of Well, when of he miles. put Randall Cobb in the backfield, that people were like, whoa, what? What's he doing? Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and there's a book called, I think it's called Smart Footballs at Chris Brown who wrote that, and he talks a lot about McCarthy and, and how he helped Aaron Rodgers become an elite quarterback. That was the truth at one time, and then it sort of faded, and if you're the Packers... And any organization, really, what your goal is to see what's coming, see what is in the future. And I think that there is a time period where they should have seen this relationship is no longer working, and it's a hell of a lot easier to get a head coach than it is a quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers, reading through that article, and I think we know this anyway, is not without blame when it comes to this. And that's why I think Vikings fans are just having a great day (laughs) reading this. But his massive ego, though, I think reflects all other quarterbacks. And all their star players. I mean, like Kobe Bryant. Remember Phil Jackson and wrote you, that Kobe Bryant was uncoachable? You want that, though, right? Like, to I, some I, extent, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want you not to be a jerk. I want you to tell people what to do if you're that good, right? Like, that's a very fine line. But that's my ultimate point about why all of these things have to end in a divorce eventually. Because it's going to reach a breaking point. Tom Brady, at some point in time, will become too much. He won't be good enough to substantiate what he's trying to do. And the Patriots are going to have to say, you're gone at some point. But for most people, it comes sooner. And with with Aaron, you don't want a guy who is not going to be a jerk. Because if he's not a jerk, guess what? That changes him. And, and we've all seen quarterbacks who try and walk the walk but absolutely cannot. And we've all seen that really doesn't work, correct? Mm-hmm. So with Aaron, it worked, but there just came a time where the whole thing with Mike probably got to be too much, and then the question becomes, who's the adult in the room to change that? And Ted certainly could not. And so it either plays out and gets to the point where this got to, or somebody steps in and says, we've got to fire a coach or make a change. But you know what? Brett had the same problems, right? Brett Favre had the same problems in Green Bay. Couldn't stand his OC, thought he was a moron. But if he doesn't think that and he doesn't change things, what's the alternative then? That he's doing things the wrong way, probably? So so this is a, I think it's very simple to say this person's at fault. But then my question is, okay, if this person doesn't treat things the way they did and we might see that as being a jerk, what's the outcome then? Right. And there were former teammates of Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Grant is the one that comes to mind for me, who says that that attitude, that chip on the shoulder that Rodgers has, is exactly why he's so as successful as he is. Mm-hmm. And the people who he's blocked out because of that chip on his shoulder, like former wide receiver Greg Jennings, well, they're just upset because now they're on the wrong side of it. It was cool when you were on the right side of it, mm-hmm. and, he, and you were racking up stats because he had a chip on his shoulder, but now because you left and have said some not-so-kind things about him since you left, and you're on the wrong side of the Aaron Rodgers grudge, which he holds forever, now he's a bad guy, and it's a problem, and it gets in his way. And also, Rodgers has just been like not great at covering it up, where there are some people who have the same sort of attitude and reputation. The one that comes to mind is Peyton Manning. Somebody, a will just say, a high-ranking official once uh, told me that Peyton Manning was one of the biggest nightmare players to deal with, like behind the scenes, but out in public, it never came across. And he learned to control himself in the press conferences. But if you remember early in his career, he called out his offensive line in the press conference yeah. after they uh, lost, they lost the that Steelers. game to Steelers. Right. Yeah, we so, had some problems with protection. Exactly. You know yeah. Um, so uh, Jim Kelly got in fights with Thurman Thomas. There was a they had to have a press conference. Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly together 
to announce that they were no longer fighting with each other. It got to be that bad. So Charkington so, was a like, jerk. All, right. All of the star quarterbacks usually end up having that chip on their shoulder, and it probably has driven Rodgers. And for a while, I'm sure that it worked. Like, the, by the numbers, by the success, by the Super Bowl, it did. But, I mean, if you're... Uh, it, another team in the NFC, you're glad that it stopped working at some point. And that's the what if is if they had made a change to bring in somebody new and to bring in a new front office. Because I was looking at, um, you know, some of the weapons they had 2015, 2016. It's just not the same. It's just not as good of a team. The, and the defense, as you mentioned, wasn't as good. But if they make a change there, I mean, it's it's hard to see with Rodgers still in his prime at that point, them not at least getting to another Super Bowl. It the article... Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. Well, I was just going to say, it seems like such a long time ago when they won that Super Bowl, too, mm-hmm. against, the, against the Steelers. It just seems like ages ago. It felt like much longer when you work in Milwaukee. <laughs> 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 Don't ask for our sympathy, Robbie. Yeah, I'm not saying oh, no, it's I'm a Bears fan, so I enjoyed it, it. But I'm just saying, like, being around Packers fans, the feeling was... That it had been forever. I'm I'm not shedding a tear for Packers. Oh no, fans, neither am I. Me, but no, I it, it just does. That. When you think about it, it does you, you think about just how long ago it actually was, and how many things have changed over the last what was it 2011? So eight years ago, yeah, when it happened. So the article from Tyler Dunn: What happened in Green Bay? A checked out coach, a tuned out QB, a soap opera where there should have been. A dynasty. Should it have been a dynasty? It's what if week on Purple Daily this week. And today's what if. What if the Packers had fired Mike McCarthy five years ago? After this, uh, how it would have affected the Vikings, perhaps? And why? My answer to this may still affect the Vikings and the rest of the NFC North. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. This feels right. Let's pursue this further. Score North. Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Hey, folks, join Score North this Friday. That's tomorrow from noon till six as we broadcast live from Day Block Brewing Company on the corner of Washington and 11th Avenue South. Stop on by for great craft beer and delicious pizza as you head to any of the final four festivities around town. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, other side of the glass. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at SKOR North and watch our beautiful faces streaming live right now. Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, all at SKOR North. Matthew is doing like a Vanna White thing with his own face right now for all of you who are watching us. Streaming today's what if it's what if week on Purple Daily. Like I said, what if the Packers had fired Mike McCarthy five years ago after the 2013 2014 season after just a great article by Tyler Dunn at the Bleacher Report uh, today? And I don't know if we actually gave our answers to the question in the first segment. We had a lot of good discussion around the topic, but my answer is. I don't know that a lot would have changed, guys, because of what we talked about in the first segment, that, yes, Mike McCarthy shoulders a lot of the blame, but there are a lot of other factors, too, some of which may not have gone anywhere, like Ted Thompson, Mike, Judd went ahead and threw in firing Mike, or Ted Thompson along had to fire him. with Mike McCarthy in the hypothetical. I got a question for, for Collar off, off the question, though. Okay. Who who do you think, it, so if they had blown out Thompson and, and McCarthy at that time, in retrospect now, realistically, so so not, not just an all-star team, but who do you think could have been hired as GM who would have hired the right coach to put that franchise in a position to, let's say, have at least one, if not two more Super Bowl titles by now? 
Because like McVeigh I mean, would be the oh, just hire Sean yeah, McVeigh. Right, but yeah, yeah. okay, that might not happen. Well, I I mean, yeah, like go back five years. Who were the coaching candidates? I'm sure some of them would make us laugh now. Like, sure, you know, um, probably a few worked for the um, the Browns and got fired in one year or something <laughs> that were the hot coaching candidates. But you know, I think that there is a sea change somewhere in the 2014, 15, 16 range offensively where it's the Shanahan offense being taken to the next level. And Sean McVay in Washington, um, I would say he doesn't get enough credit, but you know he got the head coaching job in Los Angeles, so he did get credit for that. But what he was able to achieve with those Washington offenses was incredible. I mean, they had a, a good offensive line and lots of weapons, but with Kirk Cousins in 2016, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. And if you could take Kirk Cousins... And who is a decent quarterback and be a top five passing offense. I think that says a lot. And I think that's also around the area that you get Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta too. Again, a good quarterback, Matt Ryan, but not one of the best quarterbacks. And they have one of the all time great offenses there. That's when you see a lot of the innovation taking another step forward. And so if they hire one of those type of guys at that point, maybe you're talking about sustaining that level of offensive excellence that really faded back a little bit from the 2015-2016 teams. And I I totally agree with you that personnel is a big part of that, Rami. But I, I think that that's where you can spot it, which is amazing that a coach and a quarterback were able to have the success that they did for so long offensively. But that's where I say there was a change where you saw more of the finger quote college type of offenses coming in and more of the innovation at that moment. And the Packers were kind of left in the dust. Yeah, but that's where I was, I was just about to get to. In addition to Ted Thompson, who's now gone. And I think we can all pretty much agree that Ted Thompson was a big part of the problem. We're about to find out how big a part of the problem Aaron Rodgers actually was and if this guy is coachable at this point and if Mike McCarthy was the problem or if just coaching Aaron Rodgers, who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, Mm -hmm. every room that he's in, might be part of the problem. This is what Jermichael Finley said about Aaron Rodgers in this article by Tyler Dunn. He talks about after he got the first big contract that got him $180 million. And it says Finley knew a storm was brewing because Finley, Rodgers' number one tight end for four and a half years, remembers the entitlement his QB had even as a first-year starter when he was broke as bleep. You gave a man $200 million, Finley says. Uh, He's the GM, he's the organization, he's the quarterback, and he's the head coach. He has a sense of entitlement already, and then you give him $200 million? You make him one of the highest paid in history. It comes with the territory, man. I think Rodgers, man-to-man, needs to take a little more blame, and that's another theme that comes up throughout this article that Rodgers has a tendency to not shoulder any blame, that whenever there is a failure on the offense, it's a a a bleeping stupid call by Mike McCarthy, which cameras caught him saying, or it's a, a wide receiver who had the wrong read or ran the wrong route. It's never Aaron Rodgers' fault, even when he's throwing balls at wide receivers' feet on a screen pass that should be routine for a quarterback who plays at the level that Aaron Rodgers does. So that's why I say I don't know how much would have changed had you fired Mike McCarthy five years ago? Maybe we're about to find out now and yeah. see if he can still be coached. Yeah. If Matt LaFleur is any kind of head coach, we don't even know that. But the point is, if Aaron Rodgers isn't very coachable, yes, Mike McCarthy could have been more innovative. Yes, maybe another head coach could have been more innovative if you brought them in. But does it matter if Aaron Rodgers can't be coached? 
To Collar's point, though, so here's where it gets to me to be a very intriguing conversation. And this is not true of all QBs, okay? But when we're talking about Rodgers or Brady or those guys, we're in 2019 now. And I do think that there needs to be an empowerment. I think this whole notion of I'm the head coach and you're going to shut up and I'm going to call the plays is long gone with with top QBs. So in LaFleur's case, I think what we're going to see, and the reason why I think Aaron is going to have a big year this coming season is because I believe that they are going to work together. I think this whole thing of just saying it's my system and run the system and with the top QBs, I think that's gone. So, Rami, to answer your question, I do think there's going to be a change here. And Aaron Rodgers is probably uncoachable with a person he A, hates, and B, dictates to him exactly what you're going to do, especially when he thinks, I know more than you do, and he might be right. But I think what LaFleur is going to do is bring in a system and a philosophy and also an open-door policy where, where together they're going to form this offense. And that's where I think McCarthy lost Aaron because Aaron, you know, I, I covered the first game he started in 2008. And that was a guy who looked to scramble. He was a good player, but he was not a polished product. And so McCarthy's system had to carry him. Well, eventually it got to a point where I'm sure Aaron came back and said, I can do this and this and this. And Mike's like, no, we're doing my system now. And so I think the difference and the need for the divorce that took place is Aaron needed somebody else now who can coach him at this age as opposed to the kid that started in 2008 who probably didn't have a clue. Yeah, no, that's a good point about looking at him maybe, if you're McCarthy, through a different lens. Like, hey, when you were doing what I told you to do, we had a lot of success, so why are you now turning on me? Mm -hmm. Um, But it also kind of reminds me of the Ryan Saunders-Tom Thibodeau conversation that we have all the time about like Tibbs is more of an old-school coach who sees himself as above the players, and I'm going to dictate to you and you're not going to talk back to me, and I'm not interested in your ideas or feedback. And that was an approach in coaching for a very long time from a, a lot of people who had a lot of success in sports. But I think that there's a change just in general for the coaches in the NFL, and that's part of the reason that we see younger coaches getting hired, not just because they've met Sean McVay before, but because they're taking the McVay approach. Um, I remember asking Sean McVay on a conference call what Andrew Whitworth brought to his team, and I expected him to say, like, things about blocking. And he said, no, actually, when I came in, I gave him a role, like, in decision-making. So he went to this veteran player and got help actually making football decisions. And his line was, well, I don't think I know everything as, as well as Andrew Whitworth does, who's been in the NFL for this long. I wonder if there was a point where... Aaron Rodgers needed someone more like that. Like, I've been around in this league for a long time, and when people call Aaron Rodgers out for being entitled and self-important, from 2009 to 2014, I just pulled up the, his numbers, he went 64-23 and 23 with 109 quarterback rating, 197 touchdowns to 43 picks, and averaged 8.4 yards per attempt. Those are basically the greatest numbers of all I'd time. I'd be pretty cocky, that, too. That's, and that is, those are the greatest numbers of any quarterback's peak ever, right there. So, and you throw in a Super Bowl, you throw in two MVPs in that section of time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think there's a probably a reason why Aaron Rodgers thought a lot of himself during that time. But do you think it's to the point now where he he there is nobody who he thinks can can tell him something? Well, now that's hard to say because That's with, what I'm saying. We're about to find out yeah, how what, much how much a difference it would have made if my, if it was a different head coach than Mike McCarthy. I don't know that we can definitively answer it right now. I think if you're Matt LaFleur, you come in 
and you say, Aaron, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And what do you think of this, 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 and this? Now, I've been reading Bruce Arians' book, and he is much more of a give-the-quarterback power. He talks about how he would each week go through the game plan, just him and the quarterback, him and Carson Palmer, would just go through the game plan, and Carson Palmer would pick out the third down plays. And I think this is fairly common, but it doesn't sound like something that Mike McCarthy was interested in doing. So if Matt LaFleur even takes that approach of saying you have complete control over the third down passing plays to Aaron Rodgers, I think that's an improvement for him right there compared to it seemed like Mike McCarthy wanted to have complete control. There is something else about this article. Again, I think... We're going to find out if Aaron Rodgers is going to be a different guy or if he's coachable in the future. And if he's not, good for the Vikings and good for the rest of the NFC North and good for everybody other than Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But there is something else in, that I took out of this article that I think is a very good sign for the Vikings and the rest of the NFC North and everybody but Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'll tell you what that is right after this. It's Purple Daily. Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500. We're back. ScoreNorth.com. Yes, we are back, Judd. We're also streaming live for those of you who are watching us goof off during the break on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Follow us on all those platforms, 651 646 8255 is the number to call if you want to get in on the show. It's been What If Week on uh, Purple Daily this week. And uh, today's What If, what if the Packers had fired Mike McCarthy five years ago when uh, things started to really go bad between him and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers as an organization? This is all off an article from uh, Tyler Dunn at the Bleacher Report, What Happened in Green Bay. And if you have a half hour, I highly, highly recommend that you go and read this thing. I would also say just if you're a Viking fan and having a bad day. Right. This will put a smile on your face. And this, what I'm about to say right now, (laughs) will also put a smile on your face. I pointed out before the break that if Aaron Rodgers is uncoachable, not much changes with Matt LaFleur in the future. And so that's good for the Minnesota Vikings and the rest of the NFC North. The other thing that I took out of this article that I think is a good sign for the Minnesota Vikings and the rest of the NFC North is that a problem for the last two or three years, especially within the Green Bay Packers, that has really been one of the things that I think brought them down. And it's something they tried to remedy by cutting guys and trading guys one after another for the last couple of years was loose lips in that building. And people talking about things that they should not be talking about, criticizing their coaches, criticizing their teammates, and letting things out there that show cracks in the foundation of your organization and give us in the media things to to a little bit of smoke so that we know there's a fire and something to go and look for and cause more problems within the organization because that's part of what we do. Not we here. I don't do a lot of investigative journalism, but guys like Tyler Dunn do, and they go and find these things. And I was reading this article and thinking, for all the changes that they made in these last few years, including chopping heads at the top with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy and all these players, like I said, that they've been jettisoning out of town because they have loose lips for the last few years, it's obviously still a problem because Mike McCarthy isn't in the building anymore. But it's still not good that people in that building are giving out juicy tidbits like they're giving out about the head coach who you just kicked out the door after, for whatever is in this article and whatever criticisms criticisms you have of Mike McCarthy, had a decade plus 
very successful run in your organization and to all the outside observers was nothing but respectful and trustworthy and a stand-up guy throughout his tenure as the Green Bay Packers head coach. I think the loose lips problem is still a problem for the Green Bay Packers just based on reading this article and what people were willing to put out there. It is really interesting, isn't it, that some franchises, we never stop hearing about the drama internally, and other franchises, we don't hear much at all. I mean, the Vikings are a good example of a team that does not leak out a whole lot. I mean, if somebody is being signed, maybe you'll hear it 10 minutes before it comes down. But in terms of any internal strife and internal drama, I still haven't been able to get out of anybody the North Turner story, right? Like down to a T. We can figure out kind of from putting together X, Y, and Head Z. Head coach but, wants to tell you. Just but I know he does. so close. I'm going to keep working on him. I asked Mike Zimmer last year about uh, if he was ready to tell us, and he said he's going to put it in his book. I'll get him eventually. But, <laughs> but my, my point is just like that the, the Vikings are not a team where this happens all that much, where there's a bunch of dramatic stories that are always coming out. You don't really see that. I think the biggest uh, internal drama thing was maybe it was Deadspin or somebody had an article about Rick Spielman and how he's um, really superstitious and puts on his shoes before his pants on game day. Yeah. Or something like that. Like that. That's the biggest thing that's come How out. How do you even Vikings, do that? So. I don't know. Are they sweatpants? It hasn't worked. Really no, I think they can't be jeans or dress. You can't put jeans or dress pants over shoes. You could dress pants. You could get your dress shoes on and then get get your dress pants on. It yeah. wouldn't be easy, but it's doable. And there was uh, last year. I was, got big feet, so was, that's part <laughs> of my problem. It was Greg Bishop who wrote that like Mike Zimmer didn't want them to have the fireplace on in the uh, locker room because he was like, "This is supposed to be football, like not." A comfy little locker room right. or something. But but other than that, I can't think of much. So I think that it does cause problems, to your point. But then there's always a part of me that says, you know, if Matt LaFleur comes in there and gives a few more tools for Aaron Rodgers to work with, and he has any shred of what he was during his prime, he's still going to be great, and they're still going to win a bunch of games. Uh, because I, I was thinking about Nick Mullins for this you guys know Nick Mullins, the great Nick Mullins, of the course. quarterback who took over last year for Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. and averaged 8.3 yards an attempt, was one of the highest yards per attempt in the league. I think he was undrafted, but came into the Shanahan offense, and Kyle Shanahan ran it brilliantly as he has done for his career, and that's kind of the same sort of stuff that Matt LaFleur is going to bring. If Rodgers even gets a few more tools to work with, none of this might end up mattering. It's, it might end up entirely being right. them getting him a few more weapons and just a scheme that's up to date. And then all this drama can happen as it probably was when they were still winning. Right. And then, um, you know, there's like when I think about this situation, I think about they overcame all of that with Rodgers being the way he was and McCarthy not being up to date or, or constant power struggle to be within a few bad bounces or tight games of being right there back to those Super Bowls, right? I mean, it's amazing, actually, how many times they came that close. And leaks, uh, I think leaks are twofold. Leaks are, are you having success? Because if you are, people don't care as much. And and your structure. And the Packers' structure, because of how they're run, opens itself up to lots of leaks, right? Yeah. Because you've got a president, but you've got the um you've got the p- people that run the team, and then you've got a GM who's sort of the GM and Gutekunst now, but he's really not because the president's doing a bunch of stuff and people if you're not successful start to complain and those complaints go where? To people like us. Uh but 
I think what we're going to see is, I think we're all all going to pause about halfway through the 2019 season and say, why didn't the Packers do this before? Because this is, and and keep in mind too, as the story points out, the problems with McCarthy and Aaron started a long time ago, but the team was successful, so people didn't care. But those problems date back, I remember covering a game in the Metrodome here, I don't recall the exact year, where McCarthy threw a challenge flag, and Aaron Rodgers flipped out. And started screaming and swearing. Yeah. And it's like, you idiot, what are you doing? Put that thing. And I think McCarthy like quickly picked up the flag. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to challenge that. So their problems date way, way back. But if you're successful, guess what? Nobody cares. And people don't pry as much. If you're not successful, people start to talk. And then people like us are like, oh, and you're not winning a lot of games. So why? And so, so that's where these leaks and stories start to come from. The interest in why a team, especially in this case, that once was good, has now fallen off. It's a great point about just the celebrity status of Aaron Rodgers, too. And when you have that, we know this from LeBron and many other of the top athletes, that there's always going to be people doing a lot of digging and looking for anything. And with football, you've got... 53 players and how many executives and how many scouts and how many like you know right i mean just there yeah. are, there are hundreds of people who could potentially and say players stuff. and greg jennings right and that's the exact thing with tyler dunn in this piece and he did a great job with it but like there are lots of ex-players and anybody who's got a grudge would be willing to line up and and talk about some of these things that were going on and you know i also think just from football history like there's always on great teams, there's always things that they're trying to overcome or there's always drama that you really would never know about on bad teams. If your team goes six and ten, it's like, yeah, who cares if there was drama? They went six and ten. Of course there was. But it, like if you think about the nineties Dallas Cowboys, like how much they had going on, right? All you over mean the, the White place. House? And, uh, yeah, right. I, like think about Yes. How many things were going on off the field yes. with those teams, and you're going to hear about it because they were what everyone wanted to read about. Judd, you had a great question about this whole thing oh. during the break. Yes, to to the point of of McCarthy probably keeping this job too long. Question for both of, of you is: in the current day and age that we're in in football, how long should a coach be employed? And and I'm going to subtract Belichick. Because he is he is Einstein of coaching, okay? So that's not a fair one. But when I look at McCarthy, when I look at Tomlin, when I look at Zim in recent years, and there starts to be sort of unusual cracks there, how long is it fair to ask a coach to be employed in this league before he essentially should be fired for his own mental health? Bill Walsh once said that he he felt like there was a 10-year shelf life on an NFL head coach. Okay. But I think things have changed since then uh, because there is so much roster turnover in the NFL today compared to what it was back in the day, especially in an organization like the Packers who are draft and develop. Like the, the bottom third of their roster would regularly turn over with draft picks and undrafted free agents. Not to mention, in other organizations, you have free agency, and, and they're a little bit more active in trades than the Packers are. So you're talking to to different faces just about every year, about 20, 15 to 20 different faces every year, and there's that churn. So after four years, you might be looking at three or four of the guys who you started with. You know what I mean? But I think the problem that Mike McCarthy ran into was that the one guy who he was with and attached at the hip to from start to finish was the most important guy on the roster. So if that relationship soured, then the whole thing was essentially doomed. 
Well, it's a really interesting question because I remember from Bill Walsh's football life, you could tell what I've been watching in the offseason. But, you know, they he, they almost fired him a few times because it just the stress was really tough on Bill Walsh, even though they won Super Bowls and we think of it as just the most incredible era for the 49ers. But there's just always so much happening. And when you're the one who gets all the criticism when anything goes bad, you know, I, I think that that's really tough. And Mike Zimmer is an interesting one because in some ways we look at Zimmer and how he's handled the drama 2016 last year. And we go, gosh, I mean, how long can this guy do this? How many more years can he do this? And at the same time, Daniil Hunter signs a very reasonable deal to stick around. Anthony Barr uh, decides not to go to New York to come back to be with this team. And he's kept together a defense. You're talking about the roster turnover. These guys have continued to come back to play with each other and to play under Mike Zimmer. And aside from the incident in Green Bay in 2016, um, I mean, we're really talking about a very, very tight group that has bought into him on the defensive side for a long time. And on the offensive side, when Pat Shermer could run it, it was great. But, you know, you usually don't keep great offensive minds if uh, if they help you out for one year. So it's kind of really interesting from from his perspective that you could see, like, this guy drives himself crazy trying to win but also has had a way of galvanizing these players and getting them to stick around. We got some calls on the 651-646-8255. I can't see the call screener from where I'm oh, sitting, Matthew. Who do we have? Go. Okay, it's, uh, who's that? Craig? Craig in Minnetonka. You're on Purple Daily. What's up, man? Hey, guys. I think um, I think Judd's right. I, I'm a big Packer fan. I, I think you're going to see a different Rodgers this year. A lot of people criticized his play. I, I think he was just so done with McCarthy these last few years. That he, he, I'm not going to say he tried to play to get him fired, but he, he was just so done with it. I think you're just going to see a new guy. Now, getting back to the thing about blaming everything on McCarthy, um, I don't. I, Ted Thompson's got health problems. There's a lot of stuff I believe that hasn't come out. He should have been dealt with a long time ago by the president. He wasn't. He also didn't do a good job of overseeing McCarthy, I, I don't think, during this whole thing. But that being said, McCarthy is a great coach when he's got the players that fit his system. That The guy is incapable of adapting and doing things that maximize what his players that are currently on the roster can do. And there's a couple litmus tests for me about his coaching job. I don't know if you guys remember the year that Jordy Nelson went out with his injury. Mm-hmm. That offense was awful and they lost one player and McCarthy could not do anything to make that offense work when Jordy was out and even when he had Eddie Lacy at that time who at that time was a really good running back he actually beat the Vikings at TCF they killed him when they ran Lacy McCarthy for some reason wouldn't run Lacy but when he did, they would win games. I, I, just, I do remember that, Mike. We got to run, and it, that is one thing that I think you have to. That it's a it's a fair criticism of Mike McCarthy. He wasn't he wasn't adaptive. He wasn't a guy who who evolved with things. And again, I think that's just ego and pride. And what I do works. And if it's not working, and it's a lot of what Aaron Rodgers would also say. Well, it's not my fault. You're not getting me the right players. Aaron Rodgers isn't running the right plays. This works. It's not, but it's not working because of other people. And, and we're. Zimmer gets definite credit is he does adapt. He changes things. Like he looks at his oh, yeah. defense continually oh, and doesn't absolutely. say my principles work, so bleep off. 
he is continually adapting, which a lot of guys his age and in his circumstance would not do. Manny, do we have time to take this last call? How much time do we have left in the show? Uh, we got. I can. I can manipulate the All clock right. a little bit. We got time for one Mike more call. Bloomington. We're going to squeeze you in real quick. What's up, buddy? Yeah, uh, Craig just took a lot of the stuff I was going to talk about. All right, but... then we'll talk to you later. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> when McCarthy really lost me it was in that 2014 Seahawks championship game. Those first two drives, right on the one yard line, you got Lacey, and you don't p- try to pound it in. Take three. That game would never have been a question about the end. Anyways, and then last, you know, last year, you know, they moved the ball well on, you know, with Aaron and getting down, you know, in the red zone and really close. And all of a sudden, the oh, let's throw the ball. I mean, let's run the ball now. And clouded us minus one, minus two, nothing. And then try to air one into a corner somewhere. It's just not working. They. I agree with that. You know the article too, where they just lost each other, and it was end of the relationship there. Appreciate but. the call, Mike. And yeah, that was that. I think that 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 uh, NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that was a major. Like if it wasn't broken in twenty thirteen, that's where things really took a turn for the I worse. I mean, the game management by McCarthy was as bad as any coach yes. in the NFL. So I think that that. Uh, is part of this too, where if you're Aaron Rodgers, and, and a, a big element of the article is like Aaron Rodgers along the way realized, I know all of this football better than my head coach. How can I trust this guy? Like, you don't think that some of those decisions, I mean, you would look at Aaron Rodgers' face sometimes if they wouldn't go for it on fourth and two or whatever else might, you know, where Rodgers would just be like, Dude, have you looked at the internet in like 20 years? Like, why are you not going for this? And <laughs> and that's the thing about having someone who's more of his peer as a head coach and someone that maybe they can work together on these things as opposed to the separation. Um, I mean, if you're a Vikings fan from that perspective, you should be a little concerned. Like, Absolutely. Because if, if you're giving Aaron Rodgers more power, and I like their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, and more talent, like... Who would be surprised if they're 12 and 4 next year? I have to say, guys, since coming from Milwaukee, I've enjoyed my time in the Twin Cities. I've enjoyed my work here on Score North and working with all you guys. But you get homesick after you lived in a place for 13 years. And talking about Packers dysfunction for the last hour, really? It, you want a hug? It, it made me all warm and fuzzy. National Hug Day. I'll see you guys what later. I did for go. the last two hours. For Matthew, Judd, Manny, I'm Rami saying thanks for listening. It's Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.